Moms. We are back again today talking about Lisa Demore's book, Untangled, and we are on to strand number five, planning for the future. So I am glad that you're here with us today. Let's get right into it. All right, so chapter five, planning for the future, Lisa Demore's book, Untangled. We have been through four of the seven strands, and I want to remind you just really quickly here that I do not intend for this podcast to be in any way a replacement for you reading the book. This is really me trying to give an overview of the high points of the different chapters so that you can kind of see what are the areas that you might want to first investigate as far as what's going on with you and your daughter. And if your daughter is not yet a tween or a teen or you haven't experienced some of these things, I want to encourage you to still delve into what she has to say because I have heard from more than one parent now. I've been doing Be The Benchmark activities and working with teen girls in this specific capacity for eight years now. I have been working with girls and their moms for, gosh, probably close to 20 years. So things that you think may not apply to you, fast forward three to five years and all of a sudden they are applying in different ways. So I wanna encourage you to take some of this um, and think about how it might apply to you in the future. So planning for the future, this, <laughs> see what I did there? We're planning for the future for our kids. We're talking about the developmental strand of how they plan for the future. So she hits on a couple of different things in this chapter. And one is kind of their grades, which is, I mean, a huge thing, like academically figuring out um, what their options are for the future. She also talks about procrastination, which is a big thing for teenage girls and hmm, some adults as well, maybe me. Uh, we hit a little bit on failure and mistakes and natural consequences and growth mindset. So I'm going to start here right at the very beginning and she says, you know, really actually what we want to see with our teens is them having a variety of interests and it's normal and healthy for them to have certain interests one day and think they're going in one direction and then switch on a different day a couple months down the road and find something else. Like, that's okay. That's not a bad thing. Um, and we want to make sure that we are open to that flexibility that they need. And what's interesting is she talks about almost throughout this entire chapter, I think throughout the book, but throughout the entire chapter, that autonomy or their need to make their own decisions and be in charge of their own world, for lack of a better term, actually trumps their desire for almost anything else. And so even a girl who shows a lot of interest in one area, sometimes as soon as their parents get behind it or are excited about it, then they change their mind and they don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, and she says that's kind of normal and that's hard for us, but it's their, their desire for independence and their growing in that independence that makes that really tricky. Um, she hits on, this is the third chapter where she hits on things regarding technology and the internet and understanding that teens are always going to take risks. Uh, but she gives this example, which I think is just perfect. She says, if when I was in the seventh grade, a popular eighth grade boy had asked me for some sort of provocative photo, which happens all the time these days to girls, 
if that had happened, I would have maybe given his request some consideration given that um, I wanted, you know, attention or what have you. But had I decided to go through with it, I would have had to find the family camera, make sure it had film, take the photo, shoot the rest of the roll of film, figure out what to do with the photos already on the roll, make sure I had the money to replace the roll and pay to develop the photos, get myself to a one-hour photo developer, wait for the pictures, then figure out how to get the picture to the boy. And somewhere along the line, I would like to think I would have reconsidered the wisdom of my plan and concluded that I was acting like an idiot. And that's the thing. Our technological world and the technological savvy has given, has taken away kind of that time frame of girls being able to like think through the wisdom and think through the consequences. And so we make some of those immediate things. And she's basically saying like making mistakes comes with being part of a teenager. And so we want to encourage them to make mistakes in that way. But especially when it comes to technology, she's like put some what she calls digital speed bumps in the way. And this is something that I talked about a little bit in that mini episode. But uh, definitely like when she first gets access to technology, making her uh, aware that you will be checking up on her and that future use and extended use and extended trust all have to do with the fact that you have her passwords and that you will be um, monitoring her behavior. And she encourages you not to monitor in secret for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because if she knows that you're monitoring, that gives her an easy excuse when other people are asking her for things or when other people are posting things on in her accounts, like whether it's her Snapchat or her Instagram or whatever it is, whatever they're posting, she can say, hey guys, you gotta knock it off. My mom checks this account. You can't be doing that, you know? Um, and the second reason is if you find something when you're checking on secret and then you have a dilemma, do I let them know that I've been checking up on you and then you've ruined, you know, the trust and fear them going underground and like hiding from you or do you wait and see what else is happening like and keep it to yourself, not letting on that, you know, like it puts you in a really like bad situation. So she suggests right from the start, letting them know. And the more that they are responsible and the more that you see them doing a good job and the more that you see things going well and that they're being responsible, the more you can loosen the reins as long as, you know, things continue to go well. So that was kind of her point on there. She, throughout this chapter, goes into a story about a girl and her mom, which she does that in a lot of the chapters, and that's one of the reasons I want to con continue to urge you to read the book because she gives a lot of story examples. These are not based on one particular child or parent because she is bound by confidentiality, but it's more a conglomeration of things that she's seen and um, situations that she's experienced and people that she's counseled. So as she gets into this, She's specifically talking about grades and how we should never get into a power struggle with a teenager in an area where she holds all the power. Meaning, if a girl really doesn't want to do well in school, there's literally nothing in your power to make her do well in school. And if you get in that power struggle with her, again, it's that sense of autonomy that she wants that is more important to her maybe even than this long-term goal of school and doing well in school, even if she does care about school. And ultimately, she talks about People make choices and choices have consequences. And so girls either need to figure out what those consequences are and deal with them, or sometimes it takes parents stepping in and manufacturing consequences. So for example, with this specific story that she told, she talked about how the parents tied her academic success to her social life. So you can't go to concerts and you can't go to parties 
if you're not bringing home XYZ grades. And they negotiated with her about what do you think is realistic for what you can bring home? And here's what we think is, and you know, I'm going back and forth. And um, there was some ups and downs in that, right? And they also didn't cut off all social activity. They cut off, you know, special social activities. So they still allowed friends to come to their house, you know, so she could still see her friends. And she could go to a friend's house if there were parents there. So it's all about this negotiation. And if you're in that situation where you're struggling with how do I come up with some creative consequences or some creative ways to deal with this this situation, please message me. I work with moms on this all the time. They're like, here's what I'm struggling with. And so I'll usually give two or three creative suggestions and see uh, which one the parent thinks will be most motivational for their children. Because actually at the end of the day, almost all teens are motivated by something unless there is severe underlying um, depression or anxiety or psychological issues. They are motivated by something. And so we just need to find what that is and help encourage them to make choices that will that will help them. And a lot of it comes in how we present our ideas. So again, it comes back to like not trying to get in that power struggle with them, but really trying to convey hope, convey love, convey confidence that we know that they're capable of the things. Um, so even though, you know, it kind of goes up and down, you're giving them an example of like, this is how the real world works. You do certain things, you earn certain privileges. You don't do certain things, you don't earn those privileges. That's how the world works. And it's not like you see a shift overnight. And I talk with families about this a lot. Like when their daughter starts to come see me, whether it's for coaching or for a group or whatever, it's not like you're going to see a light bulb flip overnight where they've been an angry, sullen, nasty teenager. And now all of a sudden, oh, I met with Aaron twice and the world has turned around. It's not like that. There's as gradually a ratio of more good days to bad days or good interactions to bad interactions, you know, and it comes over time, you know, and the girls start to see the positive results of the tools that they're putting into place. Um, another thing that she hits on is anxiety. Uh, this is huge with girls right now. And unfortunately, what they've been kind of told is that anxiety is bad. Well, the reality is anxiety can be very helpful in the right doses and the right amounts. And a lot of it has to do with girls being prepared for the, the situations that they're going to come in contact with. So if it's test anxiety, making sure that they're actually prepared for the test. Um, and there's lots of ways that they can do that. And they're not always intuitive. So again, that's what I work with girls on is making sure that they understand what's effective, what's not effective. Um, and also just... Um, Making sure that girls have, and this mm, might be my favorite part of the whole book, a healthy sense of what, like, she calls it in the book, healthy aggression. I call it a fierce confidence. I am trying to reclaim that word fierce because I think sometimes when we hear fierce, we think of like a fierce lion or a fierce tiger that's going to like gnaw you to bits or something. I don't know. But I think of fierce girls as those who can be kind and humble and compassionate, but also stand up for what they believe. And... Uh, show that strength that they have of character, that strength of whatever talent they've been working on, of whatever they've learned, all of that in one big package. And that to me is fierce and I'm so excited. And that's what I love helping girls do is embrace that fierceness and be able to communicate that in just a beautiful way. So I'm excited about that part that she mentions that part as a real way of dealing with anxiety and a way of dealing with just all of the societal factors that kind of contribute to that for girls right now. 
Uh, this is when she gets into the part after this about procrastination. Um, and there's lots of reasons she talks about why girls or people or moms might procrastinate on something. But ultimately, she wants you... As a parent, she says the best thing that you can do is to make sure that your daughter realizes that procrastination and the results of it are her problem, not yours. This is where helicopter parenting has really come into play. And a lot of, this is, oh my gosh, I have a story about one of my friends. So she talked to her mom recently. So she's a grown woman with children now. She was talking to her mom the other day about school or teachers or something and her mom said oh my gosh your high school teachers were just the worst always giving you you know last minute projects I remember us always having to like run to the store at the last minute blah 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 and she's like oh my gosh and I don't even know if she told her mom the truth but the truth is she was a procrastinator she was very good in at her grades she was very good at getting things done but always at the last minute and her mom assumed that it was her teachers that were setting up assignments at the last minute when really it was her as the teenager that was leaving things to the last minute and then expecting her mom to go out and, and help her get whatever she needed or stay up and help her finish her project, which her mom always did. And basically, Lisa Demore is saying, they've got to learn that lesson for themselves. And sometimes you're not going to be there to rescue them. They need to be uncomfortable with the fact that they've left something to the last minute and they need to like deal with the consequences and they need to come up with solutions on their own and it's really like this is a mantra of mine that like the earlier we can help our kids fail and deal with mistakes and deal with disappointment the better off they're going to be in the long term I was one of those kids that everything came easily to me like I made the show choir and I got straight A's and you name it you know I didn't really do athletics as you may have heard in a previous podcast episode but in general the things that I wanted to do came very easily to me literally until I got to college. And that was the first time that all of a sudden I was really dealing with not being able to do things off the cuff at the last minute with just my natural ability where I needed to study and I needed to learn and I needed to talk with teachers. And quite honestly, I failed pretty hard at it for the first six months of college. And then I faced the music, I figured things out, and I started to problem solve. And so for my girls, I've really tried to, especially like my 12-year-old, for example, everything has come very easily to her for the most part, especially educationally. And so I push her sometimes. I'm like, I know this isn't easy, you know, especially like math this year has been more of a struggle for her uh, finally. And I like celebrate it. And I tell her why I'm celebrating. I'm like, this is actually what learning looks like. And this is how you learn how to study and this is how you learn to get curious and this is how you learn to develop good habits. Everything before this was preparing you for this moment because anything worth doing in life is worth putting extra time into, is worth putting extra energy into. Um, you can, and many people probably do, give half effort all through their life and do just fine. But that's not the type of kid that I want to raise and that's not what I consider to be fierce. And I'm raising a fierce daughter, so I'm helping her to fail and I'm helping her to learn and I'm helping her to deal with her mistakes. Um, and all of that is dealing with growth mindset and all of that is helping them to understand like my five-year-old is learning to ride a bike right now. She just learned, but like everything is effort. Learning how to turn, learning how to balance, learning how to pedal while you're balancing, all of those things. And there's very many spots where she can and has said, I can't do it. And I help her switch that and I say, 
you're still learning to do it. I'm still learning to do it. I can improve. I can learn new skills. I can, so really just giving her that growth mindset and helping her to understand what she might have to do differently next time. And the big thing with that is her understanding that what she needs to be successful is inside of her. And you can go around blaming teachers that aren't doing the right thing or giving you too difficult assignments or not explaining enough or you can blame other kids or you can blame that the coach has favorites or you can do this or you can do that. But at the end of the day, you're the person that you have to go home with and you're the person that has to decide how hard you wanna work or what adjustments you need to make to accomplish the goals that you have. And so teaching them that is the very best thing. And ultimately she ends the chapter with when to worry saying if they have zero goals or they're way too hard on themselves or the times to, uh, to really start to worry. And if they're way too hard on themselves, those are the types of kids that I just love working with because I can really help them to gain perspective. I can give them tools. I can talk with them in a way that helps them understand what really makes an impact on your future and what are things that are kind of constructed and that are being blown out of proportion, those types of things. The kids that have zero goals, like zero, not even goals that you don't like, but like no ambition, those are kids that we really wanna make sure get to a doctor or a psychologist or a psychiatrist of some sort and find out what are the underlying issues that you need to deal with because that's just not normal. It is, it is normal for kids, 14 girls to have uh, goals that are very contrary to what their parents want for them, but it is not normal to have no ambition and no passion and no nothing that they're truly interested in. So that is all for Strand 5 Planning for the Future. Can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. This is Erin Tarr from Be The Benchmark, and I just wanna say thank you for joining me again for Strand 5 of the Untangled Discussion, Lisa Demore's book about guiding, I always forget exactly what the words are, guiding teenage girls through the seven transitions into adulthood. Your daughters are amazing and they are so lucky to have a brave and fierce mom like you who is looking into these types of things, who is interested in their development, who is interested in helping them become the best version of themselves. And I am so glad to be with you on this journey. So feel free to drop me a line if you have any questions. I would be happy to answer them at any point. Until next time, choose your thoughts, create your life, and go out and change the world.